Well, good morning, everyone. My name is Allison Pinches, and I'm one of the pastoral staff here. And this is our second week in a series looking at the I Am statements in the Gospel of John. This series is a way for us to take a look at the person of Jesus and the claims that he makes about himself. The chapters that we're considering are peppered with questions of people asking Jesus things like, who is he? Isn't he from Galilee? Who does this guy think he is? And that is exactly what we are trying to unpack. We are examining who does this guy, Jesus, think, say, and believe about who he is. Last week, we looked at John 6, where Jesus says, I am the bread of life. And this week, we're looking at a couple more statements that he makes about himself. Our passage today is a really big chunk of text that takes up most of chapter 8, and I encourage you to have your Bibles out so that you can follow along in the full context. But we're just going to start by examining in more depth a passage from the beginning of this section, and then we're not going to read, but I'll just summarize a couple parts in the middle, and then we're going to read and examine the end of this section. So, would you join with me now in prayer? Jesus, we thank you that you helped John to remember and record what you said. Would you help us to understand what you want us to know about you, what it is that you say about yourself? We know that it is in your nature to make yourself known, and so we pray that you would do that for us today, for we ask this in your name, Jesus. Amen. John 8, starting at verse 12. When Jesus spoke again to the people, he said, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. The Pharisees challenged him, here you are appearing as your own witness. Your testimony is not valid. Jesus answered, even if I testify on my own behalf, my testimony is valid, for I know where I came from and where I am going. But you have no idea where I come from or where I am going. You judge by human standards. I pass judgment on no one. But if I do judge, my decisions are true, because I am not alone. I stand with the Father who sent me. In your own law, it is written that the testimony of two witnesses is true. I am one who testifies for myself. My other witness is the Father who sent me. Then they asked him, where is your father? You do not know me or my father, Jesus replied. If you knew me, you would know my father also. He spoke these words while teaching in the temple courts near the place where the offerings were put in. Yet no one seized him, for his time, his hour had not yet come. So when we understand the context of where and when Jesus says these words, it takes on a whole new significance. Jesus is in Jerusalem for a festival, the Feast of Tabernacles. There are three main festivals in Jewish tradition. And the purpose of all of the festivals was to remember together what God has done and to renew hope in what God will do. Remember and renew their hope. So the Festival of Tabernacles was the most popular, and so many people descended on Jerusalem for the week-long celebration, and they stayed in these little huts that they made out of tree branches. It was like a giant campout. This celebration commemorated the Israelites' journey in the wilderness to the Promised Land. The Feast of Tabernacles is rich in symbolism, and I learned from Daryl Johnson that there are three major components of the festival. A water ceremony, a light ceremony, 
And then this theological affirmation of the real presence of the holy God with them. So in the previous chapter 7, which also takes place during this festival, we have this amazing text where with the water ceremony as the backdrop, Jesus says, Let anyone who is thirsty come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as scripture has said, rivers of living water will flow from within them. So it would take another sermon to unpack the significance of that passage. But for today, we're going to focus on the latter two components, the light ceremony and then this affirmation of the real presence of the holy God. So at the end of the passage we just read, it says that this takes place near the temple treasury or the place where the offerings were put in. Now, this part of the temple is an open-air space, and it has these four huge candelabras in the center of the court. And each night, for seven nights of the festival, these candelabras would be lit during the light ceremony, and they would give light to all Jerusalem. So remember that the Feast of Tabernacles is to remember how God was with the Israelites and guided them through the wilderness. How are they supposed to navigate their way around a desert? Well, God guided them with a pillar of cloud during the day and a pillar of fire or light at night. When the cloud moved, they moved. If the pillar of fire moved at night, they followed it. It might sound a little strange, but it's much better than being left on your own in the dark in the middle of a desert. So this light ceremony was to remember how God was present with them and guided them. During the light ceremony, as the giant candelabras were lit, they would hear different passages of scripture read as part of the liturgy. Some of those passages include, included Psalm 27, the Lord is my light and my salvation, whom shall I fear? Psalm 43, send me your light and your faithful care, let them lead me. Let them bring me to your holy mountain, to the place where you dwell. Isaiah 60, the sun will no more be your light by day, nor will the brightness of the moon shine on you, for the Lord will be your everlasting light. So the very next day, after hearing words like this and watching these candelabras being lit, Jesus is standing in the same place, surrounded by these candelabras, and he says, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. I am the light of the world. Let's explore this further by thinking a little bit more about light. Light is powerful. Think about how much darkness it takes to make something disappear. You need like a blanket of darkness, but one tiny light makes all the difference. One candle is enough to get by in a power outage. One glowing bum is enough to make an itty-bitty firefly scene. And one nightlight in the hall is the difference between stubbing your toe and getting to the bathroom pain-free. Light reveals. Dale Bruner points out, while all other things are seen and known by means of light, light is known by itself alone. Light is the means by which we know and can see all other things. Light shows us what things are, what they look like, how they move. Light makes things known. 
We have a crawl space in our house, and Zoe and Jordan just realized that it would make the perfect fort. Zoe was super excited to start working on her fort, and the first thing she excitedly reported to me was, Mom, we put a lamp in there. That's the first thing they needed. How are they going to do anything else in there if they couldn't see? And the light did what light does. It revealed three dead crickets, in fact. They couldn't have seen the crickets without the light. Light gives life. This is an incredible property of light. If we didn't have light, we couldn't live. Think about that for a second. Everything we need, everything we eat, needs light to grow. Remember grade six science class and photosynthesis? This is the process where plants take light energy from the sun and turn it into food to grow. And yes, I had to check a kid's YouTube video to make sure I got that right. <laughs> but without the warmth of the sun, we couldn't survive on Earth. Wasn't that an amazing few days that we just had this week? The warmth and the sun just made my heart so happy. But light is not just nice, it's essential. Without it, nothing was made that has been made. Let's look back to the very beginning of the Bible, Genesis 1-2. Now the earth was formless and empty. Darkness hovered over the deep. Do you see that? In the beginning, darkness. So what does God do? He says, let there be light. And there was light. And God saw that the light was good. And he separated the light from the darkness. Light was the very first thing he created. It reveals all else that is created and gives life to all living things. Jesus' statement, I am the light of the world, it's the whole world. I'm not, it's not I'm the light of church people, or I'm the light of people that try hard, or I'm the light of people who love me, but I'm the light of the whole world. And here, world is all of human society organizing itself apart from God. He is the light of all that. In Isaiah 49, 6, God says to the prophet Isaiah, It is too small a thing for you to be my servant to restore the tribes of Jacob and bring back those of Israel I have kept. I will also make you a light for the Gentiles, or non-Jewish people, that my salvation may reach to the ends of the earth. So when Jesus says, I am the light of the world, in the context of the festival and standing in the temple courts, he is summoning up their recollection of the light that guided them in the wilderness. In addition, he's building on the scriptures that they have been listening to for days, promising a light to come. And he is reminding them and proclaiming that this light is not just for the Jews, but a light for all people, a light for the whole world, the illuminator of the world, the life giver for the world. And here he is. In the rest of the passage that we read, the Pharisees question Jesus and his authority to make a claim like that. And they get into a debate saying his testimony is not valid. In our limited time today, we will not get into all the nuances of these discussions. But what will be helpful for us is to interpret what's going on in this section through the lens of John's prologue or introduction in John chapter 1. It was read for us by Joan during the call to worship, but let's listen again. John's prologue has been called an overture. And what an overture does is it gives you hints of all the musical themes that are to come. 
So as we hear this again, listen for some familiar themes. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through him all things were made. Without him nothing was made that has been made. In him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. There's a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to testify concerning that light so that through him all might believe. He himself was not the light. He came only as a witness to the light. The true light that gives light to everyone was coming into the world. He was in the world, and though the world was made through him, the world did not recognize him. He came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. Yet to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Children born not of natural descent or of human decision or a husband's will, but born of God. The word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only son who came from the father full of grace and truth. So what we have in the ensuing discussion in chapter 8 are clear examples of though the world was made through him, the world did not recognize him. His own did not receive him. People are not getting who Jesus is. There's this urgency that's building throughout this chapter, which already started on this incredibly powerful proclamation of I am the light of the world. And as I said, we can't get into all of the discussion in this section, but I want to highlight two things in particular, and their importance will become more clear as we go. In verse 23 to 24, after the leaders have asked him more questions, Jesus responds saying, He is not of this world, and that you will die in your sins unless you believe that I am. What is he saying? What is he saying about himself? Remember, one of the properties of light is that it gives life. Jesus is saying, if you live apart from me, if you live apart from the light, you are by definition in the dark, and things can't grow in the dark, and in fact, things die in the darkness. You need the light for life. If you are trying to live apart from me, if you are trying to do things your own way, you are in the dark. Come to the light to live. What does he mean that unless you believe that I am? They don't understand either because after he says that, they say, who are you? Jesus continues by telling them that they don't recognize him now, but in verse 28, when you lift up the Son of Man, and here he's talking about when he'll be lifted up on the cross, then you will know that I am, and I do nothing on my own, but I say these things as the Father instructed me. Then they get into this descendant debate about whose descendants they are. And Jesus is saying, if you were children of Abraham, children of God the Father, then you would recognize me. And in response, they insult him and accuse him of having a demon. Let's pick it up in verse 52. Then the Jews said to him, now we know that you have a demon. Abraham died and the prophets as well. And yet you say, if anyone follows my word, he will never taste of death. You are not greater than our father Abraham who died, are you? The prophets died too. Who do you make yourself out to be? Jesus answered, If I glorify myself, my glory is nothing. It is my father who glorifies me, of whom you say he is our God. 
and you have not come to know him, but I know him. And if I say that I do not know him, I will be a liar like you, but I do know him, and I follow his word. Your father Abraham was overjoyed that he would see my day, and he saw it and rejoiced. So the Jews said to him, you are not yet 50 years old, and you've seen Abraham? And Jesus said to them, truly, truly, I say to you, before Abraham was born, I am. Therefore, they picked up stones to throw at him. But Jesus hid himself and left the temple grounds. What could have made them so angry? What did he say that made them attempt murder? If you remember, there were three main aspects of the Feast of Tabernacles. The water ceremony, the light ceremony, and then this remembering of God's presence dwelling, being right there among them. The people lived in these little huts made of branches as a way to remember that God chose to come and live to dwell among them. His presence lived among them in the wilderness. In addition to remembering this by living in huts, the most important text that was read at the Feast of Tabernacles was Isaiah 40 to 55. And here's just a couple examples of verses from this section, but it's packed with verses like this. I, Yahweh, am first and last. I am he so that you may know and believe me and understand that I am he. I, only I, am the Lord. There is no Savior besides me, and I am God. Even from eternity, I am he. At a high point in the festival, this choir would sing, God is in his temple, and then a priest would reply, speaking for God, be still and know that I am God. And then the priest would sing or chant, I, I am, I, I am, over and over and over again. Before the Israelites started wandering in the desert, God appeared to Moses in a burning bush to send Moses back to Egypt to lead his people out of slavery. And Moses asks, Suppose I go to the Israelites and say to them, the God of your fathers has sent me to you. And they ask me, what is his name? Then what shall I tell them? And God said to Moses, I am who I am. This is what you are to say to the Israelites. I am has sent me to you. I am. That is the name God gives. And in some ways it says nothing. And in other ways it says everything. Tim Mackey in the podcast Exploring My Strange Bible paraphrases it like this. I am and will continue to be what I am and forever will be. In some ways, what more do we really need to know than at the center of the universe, God is. He exists. I am. Back to John 8. With the chanting of the priests still ringing in their ears, I I am, I, I am. The people questioned Jesus, saying, How can you have seen Abraham? You aren't even 50 years old. And Jesus responds, Truly, truly, I tell you, which means pay attention. I really mean this, it's important. Before Abraham was born, I am. They knew exactly what he was saying. And it was so horrendous to their ears, so abhorrent for anyone to claim the place of God, to use the name God had given as their own, that they picked up stones to throw at him. Their response makes sense. No one should ever dare speak that way unless, unless 
they are telling the truth. Before Abraham was, I am. Mackey also explains that whatever attributes I am displays, he is that. Whatever he is, he is the perfect embodiment of that. We are only sometimes what we are, but you can depend on Yahweh to be what he is. You know where he stands. We might say someone is merciful, but they are not always merciful, or that another is loving, but they are not always loving. But God is mercy. He is the perfect embodiment of mercy. God is love. He is the fullness and perfection of love. This world-shattering revelation, Jesus, as I am, is the foundation for all the other I am statements. And we can use this understanding of I am to help us interpret and understand the others. I am the bread of life. He's not saying I'm like bread or I'm sometimes bread. He's saying I am bread. I am the full embodiment of your nourishment and sustenance. I am the thing that keeps you alive. You will continually need me and I will satisfy you. I am, always have been, and always will be bread. I am the light of the world. It's not, I'm like light. No, he is light. He is the powerful light that reveals and gives life. I am light, always have been, always will be. And so the I am claims that Jesus make is the foundation, and the I am statements build upon that to further describe the essence and attributes and character of the I am. I am the one who always was, is, and will be, the existing one. And then to that, we further understand I am is the bread of life. When you continue coming to me, you will never go hungry. The I am is what sustains you, what you continually need, and the source of all provision. The I am is light, the power that gives life to all living things, the source of enlightenment, the one that helps us to see and to understand what everything is. When I was a kid, I used to hear Jesus talking about the Son of Man this and the Son of Man that, and I wouldn't understand, and I would just wish he would come right out and say that he is God. Well, he does. This is it. Before Abraham was, I am am. He's been building to this for the whole chapter. Remember the two statements in the middle we looked at, verse 24, unless you believe that I am, you will die in your sins. And then verse 28, when you lift up the Son of Man, then you will know that I am. And finally, culminating in, before Abraham was, I am. Even before this, back in chapter 7, the temple guards are sent to arrest Jesus, and they go back empty-handed. When the guards are asked, why didn't you arrest him? They respond saying, no one ever spoke the way this man does. And they're right. And they don't even know the half of it yet. Never did anyone speak the way this man does. We began saying we wanted to find out what Jesus says about himself. So here's the summary so far. The name of God given to Moses many generations ago, I am, that's me. I am, I am. I am the existing one, and I perfectly embody everything that I am. Furthermore, I am the bread of life. I give sustenance to all things. I am the light of the world. My power illuminates all things and gives life. 
So it basically comes down to one question. Do we believe Jesus is who he says he is? C.S. Lewis says it like this. I am trying here to prevent anyone saying the really foolish thing that people often say about him. I'm ready to accept Jesus as a great moral teacher, but I don't accept his claim to be God. That is the one thing we must not say. A man who is merely a man and said the sort of things Jesus said would not be a great moral teacher. He would either be a lunatic on the level with the man who says he's a poached egg, or else he would be the devil of hell. You must make your choice. Either this man was and is the son of God, or else a madman or something worse. You can shut him up for a fool, you can spit at him and kill him as a demon, or you can fall at his feet and call him Lord and God. But let us not come with any patronizing nonsense about him being a great human teacher. He has not left that open to us. He did not intend to. When we decide if we believe or not, he has told us, Jesus has told us right here in this passage how we can respond. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. You will die in your sins unless you believe that I am he. Follow and believe. So what does it mean to follow and believe? It doesn't mean you don't have doubts. It doesn't mean you understand everything, but it means you decide to trust, to say, I'm going to trust you are who you say you are, and I realize I need your help. I need your help to live, live in light and truth and fullness, life as I was meant to live. Here are a few thoughts for application. Believe. Trust that he is who he says he is. And if I really trusted that, what difference might that make in my life? Go. Look for light and go that way. Follow the example of our moth friends. Be drawn to the light. As we've talked about light, it's been a bit abstract. But I remember talking to someone who is still exploring faith, and they were trying to make a decision. And we talked about the decision in terms of what felt more like light to them and they decided to go after that. People will be drawn to the light long before they know his name. Bring things to the light. Time and time again, I have seen how when things are kept in the dark, secret habits, places of shame, or lies we've believed about ourselves, we can feel powerless and alone. And it's incredible to watch what happens when someone names something before even one other person. It automatically loses some of its power, some of the grip that it held on us. It doesn't mean it won't still be a struggle, but it will be different. The enemy uses the things we feel crappy about to make us feel crappier about ourselves. So if we have told someone else, that tactic doesn't work so well. We had a lot going on for us personally this week, and so as I went to try to write this sermon, because of some of those things, I just found myself spiraling in this really anxious place. Because this anxiety felt really spiritual to me, I had some people pray for me. I brought it to the light. And the next day, after a good sleep, that's really important too, I spent some extra time listening to Lectio 365, taking some deep breaths, and actually praying out loud, anxiety, leave me. You have no place with me. 
And Spirit of God, fill me with your spirit and your peace. The day before had been very dark, and that day was much brighter. Live. Our allegiance is to the light of the world. As image bearers of God, as children of the Father, as co-heirs with the light of the world, we get to live in ways that are light, ways that don't keep secrets, that bring places of shame to the light, that are transparent, that shine, that reveal, and as God's light pours through us, we can see the life that he offers extended to others. Light things are contagious in a good way. I realize we have to be a bit more creative with our hospitality these days, but I was amazed at a time when we invited some people for lunch after church. How many of them said, oh, that inspired them to invite someone else to their house, and we even got a couple invites back. Hospitality is light, and it's the good kind of contagious. Creativity is contagious. Zoe has been making these incredible pom-pom animals during the pandemic and giving them to friends. There's a few examples here. Some even have fancy hats on. And in case you can't tell, in the bottom right corner, that's actually me preaching. (laughs) So she's been making these and giving these to her friends. Well, now her friends all want to make them too. And last Friday, our friend Ben in Toronto told all his teachers and friends at school, I'm going home to make pom-pom animals on FaceTime with my friend Zoe. Creativity is contagious. The photos in the Lent 2021 group are totally inspiring one another. Contagious creativity. Light is not a limited resource that gets used up. It seems to multiply. Just think about this room on Christmas Eve. Back in the day, we start with one lit candle in a dark room, and before long, the whole room is full of light. So believe, trust that Jesus is who he says he is. Go, be drawn to the light like that moth. Bring things to the light, go after light. Whether you believe in Jesus or not, you can have a sense of what feels like light and go after that and live. Live as light, live in light ways. Live in ways that resemble the one you trust. I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. Amen.